eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take command podcast from Odyssey Sports. What's up? What's happening? Craig Hoffman. Logan Paulson with you, and it is minicamp week, Logan. This week, yeah. it's mandatory. We had to show up for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, just like the players did, huh? Yeah. Uh, we already have the drama resolved. Chase Young, uh, it, they've shown a video of him at, at Media Day today. Um, he's there. Uh, Montez Sweat, Charles Leno, everybody's back in town, so we can skip the big uh, dramatic discussion about what happens if they don't show, what does it mean, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we can just go ahead and get on to what happened at the final OTA last week and some trends we're starting to see develop, and we can preview what is going to happen on the field with everybody in attendance this week. And then back for week two after rave reviews, ladies and gentlemen, we will hit another edition of Nick's Numbers no. later in the program, some defensive predictions for the upcoming season uh so we'll get to that a little later in the show but logan i want to i want to put like a giant disclaimer on this first segment i do not want the aggregators i do not want the tweeters i do not want anyone who hears the sound of our voices to freak out about the discussion we are about to have <laughs> it is june 5th we have been through six ota practices, practices that's right however however in those six practices, the way they have trended, there's some interesting things that have started to develop sure. in very micro levels with the quarterbacks. Sure. Now, again, six this practices. is through six practices. It's the, all the data we have to go on. That does not mean that it is predictive in any way of the future. It does not mean it's time to sound any kind of alarm, panic, make predictions, really do anything other than discuss it. And you know, we have the the knowledge, hopefully, to be able to put this into some level of perspective, give sure. some reasons why. But things have not been going great for Sam Howe. They've they've kind of trended the wrong way, and it feels like Jacoby Brissett's getting a little bit more comfortable. Sure. Um, one, can you can you kind of color in those descriptions? Yeah. And two, give us a little bit of context as to why that might be happening in late May and early June. So I think there's kind of a little bit of like 
this is probably how this was going to go. Like he came out the first three practices and looked like really, really good. Like look, he being Sam Howell. Sam Howell looked very sharp on rhythm, on timing, balls out of his hand quickly, finding the open guy, confident throws down the field. You saw the release. You saw the arm action, right? And then you get in the fate, like week two of OTAs and the defense, the first day of, of that period is team blitz, right? And we already talked about that on whatever, three podcasts ago. Team blitz is tough for the offense because you're not game planning for the blitzes. You might discuss them. Hey, they're going to run a cross dog, but you don't game plan your protections. You don't game plan the blitzes. Just like they're running their stuff, we're running our stuff. That tends to be a day that favors the defense. I actually thought Sam had a pretty solid performance, you know, kind of getting the protections called correctly, um, you know, getting the ball out of his hand relatively quickly, didn't put it in harm's way, looked a little off rhythm, but I'd say on the whole, kind of a plus day for him, you know? So nothing nothing crazy, not bad, not good, kind of perfectly neutral. Second day kind of trended down again. And I think there's another reason for that is that I think this young secondary is playing really, really, really well. And I think they're doing mm-hmm. a great job of matching concepts at a really high level. And I will say, like, when you go to practice and you watch individual, the defensive backs are walking through the concepts they're going to see for that day. And that's not unusual. That's not unfair. That's just how practice goes. So as they get more comfortable matching those concepts, it gets harder and harder. And so then on the third day, so the sixth day of practice, Sam, I would say, had a like not a bad day, but it definitely wasn't a good day and a day that he would probably want to have back. And the way I characterize that is he's holding the ball for a long time. He's not making confident throws. He's missing throws that he probably should make. Like he overthrew um, Jahan Dotson in the back of the end zone. He had a, a ball to the flat that would have been a touchdown that he missed. And again, like they're not, I, I couldn't make the throw, but I'm not NFL quarterback, right? Like they're not easy throws, but they're like definitely within the realm of his skill set. So I think a couple misses holding the football, um, you know, putting the ball in harm's way when he didn't have to, you can see maybe a little bit of frustration, like not in his body language, but just trying to force the ball, like in these tight windows, like that's tough. You know, and I, I think we had this conversation uh, last week is, you know, I remember Kyle would start to game plan a little bit for the defense we were facing just to help the quarterback out a little. And, and you know, Ron has said they're not game planning. The enemy said they're not game planning. But I do think when you do that, this is one of the byproducts of that, right, is that it, the windows get really small, the secondary is really dialed in, the linebackers are really dialed in, and as a result, you get a quarterback who's maybe not making the most the, the most consistent decision. So I think that's kind of what you saw over the course of those six days. Um, and I think, again, it probably should have – I probably should have expected it from Sam because he came out so hot that I was like, you know, he's he's a second-year player. This is the first time he's got an extended playing time. Like, it's, it's going to come down. And so it did. And I'd say the last day was probably his roughest day. But again, like there's there's reasons for that. Like I remember talking to Kyle and uh, Sean when I was in training camp with them here and then obviously with uh, Kyle in San Francisco. And one of the things he always used to mention was like the day, the third day, the third or fourth day of of install tends to be the worst day for the offense because you've kind of reached like this neural limit for guys. And so he kind of developed a system where he'd say we're doing three days. And then we're going to do one kind of bonus day where we just kind of keep that same information and just review it. I don't think because they lost an OTA, they really have the luxury of doing that. So Mm -hmm. they got to kind of push through. So they just keep adding stuff as they go. And again, that's an assumption I'm making just based on the quality of practice. And, um, and that's the result. And that's something I experienced at every level of training camp or OTA that I was a part of the third or fourth day, 
mental mistakes shoot up regardless of position, and it's kind of a bad day for the offense. And I think this kind of falls in line with that. Yeah, so a couple of things in response to that. One, um, or in addition to that, to supplement that, however you want to look at it. One, um, we've talked about the volume of plays they have in. And, you know, if that happens on offenses that are asking a lot less than this one is, then imagine what's going on in the brains of all these guys. Um, And, and, you know, there's there's so much information, not just the, the concepts, but where am I within that concept, as opposed to always knowing, like, I'm the X. Like, you might be the X, you might be the Y, you might be the Zebra, or you might be as an X lining up in line. You might be lining up, you know, Y. You might have a, a mid-split. Like, there's the, the enemy moves guys around. There might be a bunch. There might be a, a stack. There might be so many different things that you're asked to do from those different positions that is – a lot to remember and is going to cause mental mistakes to go up. And then from that position, you might have the same play, the same, the same route concept, but if you're running it from a bunch versus cover two versus if you're split out, um, you know, kind of a a more regular split versus cover three, you're going to run the route differently. So there's just a ton of information for the receivers, the skill guys, uh, for obviously the, uh, the quarterbacks and what they're looking for and all those that you have to remember. And that makes a lot of sense too. I don't think any, like part of the, as expected is not just from he's performing really well. He's not going to sustain that because who can, um, unless you're one of the super elite guys in the league, which how is not no shame in that. Um, but it, it's also kind of by design of the drills, right? Like right. you can, if, if they wanted to design a practice where the only, the only thing that mattered was Sam Howell winning the day, they could easily, they yep. could do that, but that's not actually how he's going to get better, how the whole team is going to get better and, and how they should you know progress as a football team. And so by the design of how practice is each day, some days are going to be easier. Some days are going to be harder. And he's been kind of as expected each day given who he is and where he is in his career. Remember, this is not just six practices for this offseason. This is six practices with real reps as QB1 in his entire career. Mm-hmm. So, of course, he's going to struggle in some of this stuff. And the, the question that we'll have over the next three days of minicamp, all of which are open to the media, over the probably two to three days that they'll have next week, depending on if they call off the final practice, and then ultimately through a training camp is, Do we see the same mistakes being made over and over again, or does he learn from them, not repeat them? And are they able to continue their expansion of the offense and trajectory of growth that we've seen, um, even if it's not quite as rapid uh, the last, let's say, three days as it was the first three? Yeah, and I also think, yeah, I think that's a great point. I think the other thing is like, you know, right now, the way they've structured OTAs, and we've talked about this a little bit, it's all passing. So like the defense has no run reads really you know what i mean i think i think they've run two runs the entire time over six practices you know what i mean like that's it it was like the first day they ran two and then they haven't really run it since then so that that does allow the defense allows the pass rushers it allows the secondary to kind of fall into just covering passes right safeties can be a little bit deeper they can be a little bit slower on those play actions because they know it's not going to be a pass so i think that's another thing like these are this is a very challenging ecosystem for an offense to be successful i think you're seeing some of the byproducts of that that being said though i, I will say that you know like jacoby Brissett, for example has i was gonna say why why is Brissett sharper. seemingly getting better i i think i think a couple of reasons and and i don't know for sure you'd have to talk to him about this but th- if i was going to make some assumptions or assertions i would say first off he was working with the twos right 
And the twos are a bunch of younger players and a lot of undrafted free agents, a lot of guys who are kind of fringe roster guys, but those guys have gotten better. Those guys kind of understand contextually what the expectation is, how to beat certain coverages. And so they are, and I think they're pretty talented, like, um, you know, the undrafted free agent uh, receiver out of Stanford, um, Brees, Brees is his first name, very, very dynamic. The kid from Minnesota State, very, very dynamic in terms of speed. Um, Tinsley from Penn State, all those guys look like they could contend for a roster spot, which is kind of like, you know, in the same way that you were surprised about the the tight ends last year during training camp OTAs and just how talented they were. It's kind of the same thing. They've got three guys who could be on the roster. So those guys are growing up and maturing each and every practice. I think having three receivers that you feel good about um, helps the quarterback, obviously. Having skill position players be where they're supposed to be is helpful. Um, Curtis Hodges is developing. Cole Turner is developing. Those guys are working with that group. And then you still get, you know, the occasional like uh, Dax Mills, who's had an excellent OTA period. Like those guys are playing better. And so that's one thing. They're creating separation. They understand concepts better. But I also think Jacoby just by himself understands the tempo and the cadence of this offense better. He understands how to deliver the football. He understands I don't need to wait on this. I can trust this guy, get the ball out there. And so he's played more football. And this is something we talked about when they signed him. We expected him to be better earlier. It took him a right. couple of days, right? But now that he's in a little bit more of a, um, it's it's a little bit more of a challenging situation for the offense, right? His experience, I think, is helping him out. His experience in this offense over the last you know six days, he's understanding it more. The young receivers are developing. The young tight ends are developing. And again, I think that's a mismatch now at this point in the OTA, OTA period that favors him as the number two quarterback because they're playing better, but also he understands what's happening at a higher level, I think. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yeah, he's also playing against the twos. Correct. Which is yes. helpful. Like, yeah. he's not just playing with twos who are good and talented and, and maybe better than you anticipate, but, like, he's not having to face Emmanuel Forbes and, right. uh, you know, Derek Forrest and, 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 and Percy Butler again, and, to, to that all point those guys. about the free agent receivers is I think a lot of those guys are playing better than the other guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. um, they're, they're, they're playing a lot better than the undrafted guys who are playing on defense. Correct. Yeah. And so I think that that's a big, uh, a big push, you know, and obviously there's some other guys like um, the guy they signed from Kansas city, Tate, uh, is that his name? Um, the big receiver, number 19, um, that's no, a, that's Marcus Kemp. Kemp, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Like he's he's played a lot of football, and you've got some guys out there. Deami Brown has had an excellent, you know, OTA period, and you know he's had the kind of the the big splash plays, but also some inconsistency. But the splash plays have been there, and so having kind of a stable of like six, seven, eight guys who can make plays, win one on ones, like that's a good that's a good ecosystem for him. But I also think it's his experience that's also elevating them to understanding the timings of things are much, much better. So I think that's that's also part of it. Something that Ron said last week about Jacoby that I immediately noticed when I was at practice is his ball placement is just incredible. Yeah, Like he knows exactly how to throw away from leverage, for instance, something that Sam is probably still learning at the NFL level. 
um, and will continue to grow in. And again, that's fine. Uh, he's young and, and this is what May and June are for. And to an extent, what August is for, you hope that he's got a, that, a better handle on it by September. But when you talk about the ecosystem that we're talking about, these very tight windows because of the lack of play action efficacy and because the defense kind of knows what's coming. If you can dot a ball exactly where it needs to be, and that's kind of what makes you good, that's going to play right into that skill set. Um, and so for Jacoby, the ability to know like, okay, this is going to be a tight window. They're crashing down from here. I need to throw away from leverage and having the experience to know where that spot is. And then the, the technical ability to repeatedly do it. Not surprising that, that he's kind of thriving under these circumstances where Sam, who makes his game on a lot of other attributes um, and is still improving in that area and doesn't have the experience necessarily to know is not necessarily doing as well on that experience and where it's coming from though, I would say the most concerning thing for me watching Howell last week in the one practice, and I think I mentioned this, so I, I apologize if I'm repeating this from, from the Thursday pod, but I felt like at times throwing over the middle of the field, he just flat out didn't see defenders. Um, that to me is, is more concerning because like you kind of got to understand the coverage versus, okay, it's really tight and I'm trying to throw it in there anyway. If you just don't see guys like that's where you, that's where you turn the football over but I'm also getting to watch it from the sideline without ever seeing a replay. You have the actual yeah. film. Um, is that, is that an accurate assessment? Uh, I mean, obviously it depends on the play, but is, is that something that kind of worth watching this week? Yeah, I think so. It's always something worth watching, especially with a quarterback who's a little bit undersized. It's always important to check that out. I do think that um, kind of to your point earlier, and I'm, I'm really glad you brought this up. Like when guys are moving around like in a West coast system, like they normally do within the concept. So like, you know, we're in a bunch. And on this play, Logan's the point. Terry's the widest guy. And Jahan's the inside guy. The next time we run the same play out of the same bunch, it could be different people, right? And so there's different coaching points on, like, who sets the depth on the mesh or who, how deep is the sit or who are you trying to pull on this pull route to open up the dig behind the route. And I do think that there has been a little bit of kind of um, – like not it's not bad but a little bit of um learning right like you know uh, sean and, and kyle used to say it takes three years to learn an offense and i totally agree with that and it's not like that i know i know the concept almost immediately when they install it but there's nuance and details there that says hey versus cover two i run the route like this and i need to be on the same page with the quarterback and versus cover three i need to run the route like this because i need to open this guy up and i need to understand the difference and the that level of detail takes a little bit of time and so i do think with some of that stuff over the middle of the field a the ones are much better at matching it right because they just mm -hmm. are they've seen more of it right and and two i think the skill guys are still learning kind of that those that that minutia that makes an offense really dynamic and to your point about Brissett, the twos the two defense is not as good at matching it so the details aren't as glaring from the receivers. You know, like when I run a, a, a pin, um, a pull dig concept, like the linebacker, whoever it is, is jumping the pull every single time because they don't have the experience to know that, hey, he's trying to hit the dig behind me. Like when you watch Cody Barton, he's really patient. He understands that that's not, that's not what's going to kill me. It's the dig behind me. So when, so when Sam's trying to throw the dig over the middle of the field, it's a, it's a very small window because Cody is sitting there and that's, he's right. That's where the ball should go. You know what I mean? But he's probably got to get a little bit more experience, understand I can manipulate that guy with my eyes, get him to attach to that pull route a little bit more, and then throw the dig. So 
that's, I think, kind of where some of that minutia comes in and some of that middle of the field stuff happens. But it's not just Sam, you know, just to kind of right. avoid that that's narrative. It's not Sam by himself. It's everybody learning the offense. And they're playing against a defense that's been largely together for a very long time and is very, very talented. And really, when you talk to defensive coaches, especially in the secondary, it's just, you know, there's only there's a finite number of route combinations you can run. And we just have to match them. It's just math. You know, there's only a certain number of route combinations you can run out of these formations and we just got to match them. And these guys have been together for largely for four years. They understand what they're expecting. Even the guys, the young guys like Percy a year, Forrest two or three years, like it's there. Reeves is playing a lot. Yes. That's right. And, and so I think that that's something that when I look at it, I'm like, wow, like, you know, there's, there's definitely an advantage there because they have the details and the offense is still working those details out. And that's to be expected because it's a new offense. Yeah, and that's such a good point, too, just to kind of underscore it. Um, Sam not seeing a guy or looking like he's not seeing a guy, that might just be because someone didn't run a route correctly like or a ball that looks high. Sam could have thrown it to the right point as the receiver came out of the break. He runs the route to shallow. Right. Now the ball looks high, but it's because he ran it at 12 instead of 15. And if Sam anticipates and throws the ball when he's coming out of the break, he doesn't know that he's going to come out at the wrong depth. Yeah. So those kinds of things happen, and I think it's really easy to be um, critical of quarterbacks, but that's why like someone with your knowledge or when I used to work Cooley, like his knowledge, you know, if you know the offense, well, then you understand whose fault it actually is, uh, and, and where the mistake was made versus just assuming it's always the quarterback making a bad throw or not seeing a guy or whatever it may be. Yeah. And it's not so much fault. It's just guys learning, yeah. you know, it's just learning yeah. stuff. Well, especially and, this time of year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I think that like, I think that was one of the things is like week one, it's all new concepts for the defense. And so, uh, and again, so the offense, there's a little bit more space. The details aren't as important because the defense can't match them as well. You know, phase, what is this? You know, week two of OTAs, obviously that matching is a little bit tighter. The details become more important and the offense takes a little bit of a step back. So, yeah, Nick, uh, I'm so sorry that uh, we're going to explode all the, the Odyssey sports servers with all this nuance. It's so sexy <laughs> that the people are just going to be listening out the walls. Oh, look at them with their nuanced takes. <laughs> Our bosses are so mad right now. 